Welcome into the November 18th slash 19th week 11 edition of the PFF forecast. This is one of the best episodes. We have Nora Princiati of The Ringer on, and she was awesome. It's a great conversation. We talked about the Patriots. She had some inside stories about Belichick, about Patricia and Flores that were really interesting, um, and then a bunch more stuff. It was great. So we've got that coming. We're going to do a little lock of the week and week uh, 11 preview first. Let's rock. All right. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. I'm pumped. This this week um, is interesting. First, the first observation I will make is that we have a Cardinal Seahawks game that is on Thursday. Mm -hmm. There's also a Sunday night game in Vegas. Maybe once again hit by the COVID. <laughs> and this one we can't have the Cardinal Seahawks be flexed into because. Um, well, well, quite frankly, it'll it's be on, over by then. It'll be over by then. So why don't we start the lock of the week conversation with the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks? Because I understand the Kyler Murray love. The Seahawks are a three-point favorite, total 57 and a half. I get it. I love Kyler Murray as much as anybody. I have him on fantasy teams. I love the guy. But if that Hail Mary falls a little bit short, or just doesn't get caught, yep. the narrative is totally different. In fact, I would argue we're talking about Josh Allen for MVP more than we are Kyler Murray for MVP because that dime was incredible. That Josh Allen drive to win the game was awesome. Russell Wilson is still the better quarterback. Both defenses suck. This is in Seattle. Give me the Seahawks minus three. That's exactly what I think. And here's <laughs> the thing. So... I told, I said on the podcast the other day, if it got down to three at any sort of even, I would take it. I went to the, the sports book today mm -hmm. on the, you know, and I As was, does. I was fully expecting to bet Russell Wilson over two and a half touchdowns. That was going to be, I was actually going to propose that as lock of the week. I still might actually, but the reason I didn't bet that one and I bet Seattle minus three. Russell Wilson's touchdown prop, plus 110. That's the lowest I've seen an over two and a half yeah. touchdown prop all year. That's absurd. And that's telling me that the market thinks that Russell Wilson's going to bounce back. So what they think, in addition to that, is that Kyler Murray is going to ball Continue out, to ball and, out. And, and make this three, this flat three the correct number. To your point about the Arizona Cardinals, we had their over last week. We're four and one. That was one of the four. They almost didn't make it because of some of the bullshit that was mm -hmm. happening on that offense. They had to kick field goals in the red zone. They had to. They 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 didn't score a touchdown in the first half of that game. Mm -hmm. If they don't convert touchdowns this week and they don't score, what do you think? Thirty five. I think Seattle is going to have a bounce back in this one. I, I, to me, I don't know if it's what I, I think that there's actually a better lock, honestly. 
There's um, some more. There's some more. We'll move there, on. There's, there's more picks, but I, I agree with you 100% on Seattle minus. Do you three. like over 57 and a half? It's a no, lot. That, that it's takes a high a, That takes a village of points. <laughs> no, like, it, like it really does. Because 54 was the stone correct pick in that game, and you had some, you know, you had, like for that game to go over, you needed the right team to have the ball at the end, right? If, mm-hmm. if Arizona gets one first down and runs the clock out, that thing's under, right? Yep. And then you had the one-handed catch by Beasley. He doesn't catch that. The game's under. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the dime to Diggs. And then, of course, the game ends at 62 because of the Hail Mary. But that game, there was an, there were two great offenses, two dog shit defenses, but there were enough field goals to happen for that under to be the, probably what – if you had the over – probably the wrong side but you got the win i think that that's the tricky thing and there was still there's still some issue with seattle the the left tail of seattle's offense is not trivial anymore lockett's hurt um you know the offensive line isn't great although arizona has no one who could rush the passer mm-hmm. but you know what i'm saying like i think seattle minus three is the right bet like i agree with you i agree with you um and i'm looking for a bounce back from dk metcalf I, I need it. I need it like I need air to breathe. I think I think the tight ends for Seattle are gonna have a good game. Yes, because the Cardinals cannot cannot cover. And and Wilson might, you know. Do you think the fact that and this is something I've been thinking about for a little while with Kyler Murray. So Kyler Murray's passing despite the Hale Murray, which was a beautiful throw and an incredible. Which I think play. I was the first one to say it was called the Hill Murray, right? The Hill Murray? The Hill it's a hard thing the to Hale say. Mary. Chris right, was Hale really, Murray was a team in my conference in high school, but I said Hale Murray. Um, yes, I, I'll give you all the credit you want. Um, but where he is lethal is as a runner. Okay, the Seahawks, what do they have? Well, they can't really cover, but they have Jamal Adams, they have Billy, uh, Bobby Wagner, and they have KJ Wright. So they might have a better chance, uh, not, uh, not of containing him completely, but slowing him just enough to where he's got to be a better passer. And I think that's just an area where he still has to improve. Not that he can't, but that he still has to improve. Um, let's go to uh, the next one. And I, I'm going to guess I know which one you're going to go to, but I'll let you uh, drive the car here. Well, actually, I, I think that there are some teaser options that this week are oh, offer immense value. God, you just... Let's, you know how to brighten my day. Let's start it. Okay. You, so, you started by sending me a newsletter from a church that really uplifted my spirits. Thank you. Uh, no longer worried about end times. And now you're going to give me some teasers. So let's do it. Okay. Now this one is tricky because these numbers are moving. Um, money is coming in on Tennessee, mm-hmm. a side that we actually like. However, you can tease Baltimore down to a pick em. Yes, you That's can. That's one side. Okay. Um, you can tease Kansas City. Now this is going the opposite direction. So you can tease Kansas City down to one down and a half. To one and a half which we talk about like i mean i i hate to say this but like kansas city to win to win sunday i mean is there a tell me the tell me the sample paths that involve the raiders winning i know we're gonna get Look, hate you we know. wrote this up yeah on our monday podcast this is my second biggest wager of the season kansas city i haven't been perfect six, six and a half. certainly not okay i have not been perfect certainly not um what was the other one that I had? It was an over yeah. uh, a few weeks ago. I can't even remember what it was. But Kansas City at six and a half, I loved. Now at seven and a half, 
Kansas, uh, the Raiders' entire defense has coronavirus. It doesn't really matter. The entire Raiders' defense sucks. So I do like Kansas City, but 57, I know that's high. I get that that's a really high number. But the Chiefs are put, the Chiefs are going to try and score 50. Yeah, but like, so then what about teasing them down to minus one and a half? I like it. Okay. I don't like Baltimore. And okay. I'll tell you why. We're going to talk about this with Nora here in a minute. I am legitimately very concerned about the Baltimore Ravens offense. The strength of their offense last year, you did a tremendous job of, in, of talking to people about this, was their offensive line being the most valuable offensive line in the NFL. And the two most valuable players on that offensive line ain't there anymore. Ronnie Stanley is awesome. He's fucking great. Marshall Yonda, also great. Like two Hall of Fame offensive linemen. I mean, Stanley has a ways to go, but the guy has been as good as you can be to start off a career. And they were so predicated on the way that line was able to block. Teams are playing them. Mike wrote a great article, I thought, this week, Mike Renner, about the Baltimore Ravens and how teams are playing dime and nickel on base downs against them, choosing to defend the run with speed in, in allowing them to basically take a top five passing offense and make it a bottom five passing offense. And you don't have these offensive linemen who are both big, strong, and fast, and agile. You don't have those guys anymore. So you're better able to defend it with speed. The Titans' defense is not good, but they can cover, and I think they can scheme. That is something that I believe Rabel has, and I think there's a decent chance that Tennessee comes out and wins this game. Do you think that they that they don't run the ball as much on first and second down? Because I feel like that's going to be the real... I mean, if they every tactical advantage that they have goes away when they decide to pound that, they're, the that they're the newest... I know. That, that they're, I, know. It, I mean, they're different. Me. They're different. Me. We're it different. We, we're, we run the ball oh, in early downs, and damn it, we win. Like, I, that's... That's my only concern because they they look they run the they run the Colts out of the building in the first half if they mm -hmm. do that last week right I like, agree the only reason the Colts the Colts were the better team they they went for more fourth downs they mm -hmm. they but they missed fourth downs early in the game and if Tennessee could have taken advantage of that instead of the, you know taking this big running back with a log in the mm -hmm. back of his head and run the ball on first and second down like they're like so to me like I feel like that's like a big leak for them. Here's one. Here's another teaser leg. Minnesota minus one at home against Dallas. God no. Okay, I God. I agree. The market is bet Dallas down to seven. Um, I sort of I sort of understand <laughs> that move. One more, one uno mas. Mm -hmm. The Los Angeles Chargers minus two and a half against the Jets. Flacco off a of bye, dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. Okay, so no teasers then. Justin can't Herbert? Find the second leg. Justin Herbert and the new haircut? The Jets. I know they're bad. Yeah. I know, but the Chargers. Laying points with the Chargers is a dicey is a, proposition. Is so rough. Yeah. It's so, 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 so rough. Okay, then we'll have to find one singular side here. Yeah, I, I think I'm more in favor. As much as I do love those teasers, and I'll probably bet a couple, I think we're going to have to find a, a singular side here. By the way, you mentioned the Minnesota Vikings here. They're a seven-point favorite to the Dallas Cowboys. Why is it that you're not on the Cowboys this week? PTSD? I don't is know. That, I mean, is that it? Because I agree, and I'm with you. 
I, I like... Minnesota is pretty good at winning at home against teams that suck and convincing their fans they're a good team on the on the mm -hmm. secret. So the problem is, is the, the question becomes, how does Dallas come out of this bye? Do they come out of it with... Do they come out of it like playing... Yeah. No, no Trayvon Diggs. That could be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Vikings' two receivers are awesome. And, but at the same time, they run the football with Dalvin Cook way too much. They kept the Bears in the game by virtue of how they True. were running the football too much. Can Dallas stop it, though? True. Right? Dallas has been a sieve in every sense of the word. But Kirk Cousins could throw three picks against Atlanta at home and tank his ch team's chances of winning. So the variance in this game is tremendous. I do want to be on the side of getting seven points in that sense. And that's why I think betters have all grabbed Dallas when it got up to nine and a half, um, all the way down to seven and a half. Um, here's one that I have. This one, the variance is tricky. Carolina at home against Detroit. Yeah, I thought about this one too. One so and a half. Do it, we know that Teddy Bridgewater's playing? Bridgewater was limited today. We do know that Matthew Stafford has a torn ligament in his thumb. Yeah. And he has historically been dreadful. Can you find this anywhere? Uh, well, you yeah, are, that's a good point. Well, you are looking for it. I'm going to go It's interesting because the you know, Bridgewater being hurt, his mobility is something that is a real plus for them. That being said, I don't know, you know, if the Christian McCaffrey news has any bearing on this in terms of where the market moves, but it would not be something that would worry me. Um, Kenny Galladay is another question here. Yeah, he is questionable. Bad. So the, the Detroit Lions are the walking wounded. I will also say this. It's an opportunity to fade Matt Patricia. And any time that you can fade Matt Patricia, you, you have absolutely to have so to So on it. Pinnacle right now, this is strange, and I think this is the sign of the times. Cleveland, Philly is off the board on Pinnacle. Detroit, Indianapolis is off the board on Pinnacle. Bengals football team off the board. And then they don't know I the think understandably is... Chiefs Raiders also off the board because of the COVID yeah. and Miami, Denver. This is literally every game we have, we wrote up on Monday yeah. is currently off the board. Bet early. Um, okay, let me ask you this though, because we're talking about the Carolina Panthers here. And I wanted to talk about the Carolina Panthers because the Carolina Panthers have a really good passing attack in large part because of a couple of receivers that are underrated, right? Like Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. Mm -hmm. are, and you mentioned Cole Beasley, and I think he fits in this group too. Like if I said, and maybe focusing more on like younger, younger receivers, there are a lot of good receivers in the league, but we talk about the big ones all the time, right? We talk about Devontae Adams. About the physical ones. Well, sure, the physical ones, but also just like the studs, yep. you know? Who are who are like the most underrated wide receivers in your mind? Underrated? Yeah, like that. You know, we just don't talk about a lot. But you like knowing that I have this guy on my team makes me feel good about the quarterback's chances, about like my offense. Yeah. Like I think Cole Beasley is a great example of that. I mean, when we first built War two and a half, three years ago, Beasley's name was up on the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of times, and you know, it was because he could get open. I mean, Beasley right now is our eighth highest graded receiver in terms of receiving grade. Um, seventh, I guess now. Um, I think Keenan Allen's weirdly underrated. Like, people don't talk about him enough because the Chargers don't win, but he's he's amazing. Um, I, he, I don't know if this is underrated, 
but it, it is certainly somebody that I that I want on my team. Jakeem Grant. Yeah, he's a good one. Like Jakeem Grant is always open, and <laughs> like I think that that's something that we're realizing now. You talk about more, and you talk about Samuel. You talk about Robbie Anderson to a lesser degree because Anderson can go down the field. Mm. But guys that can get under get open in the double range, the ten to nineteen range, and get separation covers a multitude of sins. Teddy Bridgewater is accurate, but he's not like pinpoint yeah, ball yeah. where it's supposed to be all the time guy. But like if you're that wide open, those like ball the ball being behind a receiver doesn't isn't an incompletion when the DB's three yards away. It is when he's one yard away because he can come and break it up. Guys that can get that open, Tyreek Hill, perfect example with Alex Smith. It's like Alex Smith opens up and becomes the the league's leader in passer rating one year because Tyreek Hill's his number one receiver. Travis Kelsey's always wide open too. And like that kind of guy, like Tyler Boyd's another one. He's always open, right? Like he's always open. And, you know, he, he fumbled last week, but, you know, for the most part, obviously McLaurin's one. I mean, I think McLaurin now oh, stole my guy. is past the overrate, past okay. the underrated part. But like so, those guys. I, I love all the guys you said. I think Keenan Allen is a great one. I think Cole Beasley is certainly up there. Um, Tyler Boyd. I was going to say I have, I have two. One is a guy who is underrated because I think he's as good as just about anyone. But... It doesn't get talked about because his team is an atrocity. And that's Terry McLaurin. Okay. Terry McLaurin is a stud, an absolute stud. And he is making incredible plays every week whenever he gets the opportunity. He rarely gets the opportunity. His team is dumpster. And I really hope Justin Fields goes to Washington so that we can see that duo ball out. Terry McLaurin is up there with the top, you know, seven, eight receivers in the NFL. And then I'll go to a guy who is further down the list, but I think is is maybe more so underrated, especially this season, and that's Jacoby Myers in New England, who has a PFF receiving grade of nearly 90. And we saw last week against the Ravens made some really key plays, mm-hmm. plays all you know phases of the game really well. He's like a perfect Patriot almost. Um, and, and man, if he can continue to improve and play this well, that's a real game changer in my opinion for for the New England Patriots. So those were two guys. Can, we, can somebody watching. explain to me how J.D. McKissick has 41 targets and Terry McLaurin is 57? No. I also can't understand how Antonio Gibson, who was literally a wide receiver, is getting less, you know, is not getting targeted in the passing game for J.D. McKissick. But I digress. Um, let's, keep this, let's keep this train rolling because I have a couple more that I wanted to discuss with you. The first is... The and I think this might be the best game of the weekend. That is Colts Packers, because on Sunday night, in my delirious state, I made the claim that there's no way I'm not taking Aaron Rodgers, Aaron motherfucking Rodgers, and the revenge tour against Philip Rivers and his half of an arm. I mean, come on, it. Aaron Rodgers is not only the highest-graded quarterback in the NFL, Devontae Adams is the highest-graded wide receiver in the NFL. Have, have, you, have you heard of Xavier Rhodes? <laughs> and, and that's kind of my point. Like, I love what the Indianapolis Colts are doing. The way they disguise their coverages are great. Darius Butler, who we need to have on this podcast soon, who covers um, coverage as well as anyone else out there in the, in the Twitter sphere. If you don't follow him, you should. Talked about how well the Colts just, you know, are – 
they, they disguise their coverages. Matter Bafus gets his guys in the right position. They have a lot of guys that can cover. They don't have a ton of guys that are superstars, but they manage to get away with it because of the continuity that they have. I think those are all great points. And I was still dead set. The Packers are the play. It's one and a half point spread. We show value on PFF uh, green line, our betting dashboard on the Colts. And this is one of the ones where I feel like I need to, I need to take my punishment and I need to understand that I'm not as smart as the math is and take the Colts. I don't hate the Colts. That was one that I did put in the list of things that, um, that you wanted to, that I wanted to take. Uh, I think, okay. I think the Colts are a very well-rounded team. I think that they're tough and I think that they're well-coached. I think they're, those are, I think those are characteristics that aren't true about Green Bay in many ways. I think Matt LaFleur is a good coach. I think Mike Pettin's not doing very well right now. He's struggling a bit. I think that they're soft, as evidenced by the fact that they let Kirk Cousins walk into their stadium with weather and beat them outright and mm-hmm. let Jake Luton walk into their stadium when there was some weather and almost beat them. Um, and I don't think they're that well-rounded. I think that they're a very a team with a team with a lot of talent concentrated on a few different positions, mm-hmm. and unlike the Los Angeles Rams, aren't able to coach it up as well. So, um, Philip Rivers ten days off with that arm, indoors, healthy. You saw Pittman, Hilton, Pascal, Doyle. Like they have weapons that will stretch out the the, the Green Bay defense and. Jair is still in concussion protocol. Jair is still in concussion protocol. And they're pragmatic about their running backs, which is a huge edge. You draft Jonathan Taylor, everybody expects you to love, love, you know, put him in the game and give him the love. He went with Naheem Hines last week because he was the hot hand. That's a to me, I think Reich gets all the basic strategy right. Fourth downs, fourth downs, fourth downs. He even overcame the fourth down variance last week on Thursday mm-hmm. night football he did. twice. And there are others. I don't think he's a brilliant play caller like Reed, but I think he's he's on the same spectrum as Peterson. Really good at basic strategy. Maybe not the most brilliant play call in the world, but it's a lot better than Peterson. I th- so to me, like I I do think that Indianapolis is the right side here. I don't know that I'm willing to make it the lock of the week, but I think it's worth considering. And for all the reasons that you mentioned. What I am worried about is the superstars being superstars situation. Mm-hmm. With and that, it's hard to beat Rodgers when he's the best. And that's the thing. If this were last year's Aaron Rodgers, I can get on board with this. But like this year's Aaron Rodgers is, I hate to say it, but like he's built a little different this year. All right, we're going to take the Jets plus eight in Los Angeles against Stop. the Chargers. That, Stop. I'm just kidding. I don't... Um, let me take you to another one. And this is going to be one that I'm going to make the case for based on a singular mismatch, which I hate doing, but there is no bigger mismatch this week than Aaron Donald versus the interior of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line Mm -hmm. or offensive line. It is going to be, you want to watch a slaughter? Watch this game because Aaron Donald is going to eat. Tom Brady ain't moving around. Okay. The Los Angeles Rams also have a very good coverage unit. Everyone's talking about Jalen Ramsey. Darius Williams is absolutely killing people. He has, 
the fourth highest he was coverage amazing grade last week. Fourth Un- highest, highest coverage grade in the NFL. He is allowing a pass rating of sub fifty. I think it's like forty four point one. He's playing amazingly. So I'm not trying to get in on like the defense is the determining factor here. What I'm saying is that I think there are some mismatches that will allow the Rams to be successful. And my question to you is, can Sean McVay prop Jared Goff, Goff up enough on the road against a team that's going to blitz the shit out of him for you to have any confidence in Rams plus four? Uh, let me look at one thing. <laughs> Monday night games with the Rams have been our bugaboo a little bit. Seahawks, Bucks, Niners. There's that little sandwich game thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit worried about coming off of the high that was Seattle, mm-hmm. traveling for Monday Night Football, seeing the Niners. Now the Niners aren't very Sucks. good, so yeah. so you know. But what what? The Dolphins game was also sort of a mismatch in that way. Like it mm-hmm. was, it was a sandwiching between a Bears game that was kind of like a going to be a slugfest, yep. and a Rams game that meant meant a lot to them. That's my worry. Is like, but I do agree with you. The, the mismatch of Donald and also Leonard Floyd, who's played extremely well for them, um, or at least did last week. Donovan Smith not great. Interior offensive line there not great. Brady doesn't handle interior pressure great. Rams corners, they're not going to be worried about these receivers. Buccaneers defense is just another defense. Okay, it's. I think we should consider. Last one. You ready for the last one? Go for it. The Atlanta Falcons. No, I refuse. Look, I don't. God. But God. But God. Yeah, but God. Here's the thing. I can't. Like, would you rather bet on the Falcons as lock of the week or attend an no. end times class? No, here's here's the problem. It's against my religion to bet on the Falcons. It's against my religion to bet on Jameis against Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think Atlanta wins this game. I don't. I I actually think that like. But you can't make it the lock of the week. I can't. No, because come on, man. All right. I, well, okay, convince me. I, I do think five is too many. Five is too many. But the, the Falcons are coming off a bye. They've got great receivers. They have Matt Ryan. Okay, is Ridley going to play? Saints, my question. The Saints are starting Jameis or maybe Taysom Hill. I don't know about Ridley. That is a concern. But the, the, the Saints are banged up too. I mean, Kamara's hurt. Cam Jordan's hurt. Ryan Ramchick is hurt. Drew Brees is dead. Plus the the Falcons are coming off a bye. Yeah. Some people galaxy brain this and said the Falcons bye is meaningless because the time they were spending on Breeze is now going to be you know, ah yes. So, Great point. Here's this is what we keep coming back to. Better quarterback is getting five points. That's all I'll say. Okay. I'll hey, let, no, no. Fuck it. We'll do it. Is that the one you like the best? I, look, I did not consider it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, I want to do it. I almost throw all my Falcons-related stuff away almost every week. Oh my but God, look, like the pain. You got. You have. What do you like more? So the ones no. that I'm considering are Atlanta, my uh, plus five, Seattle minus three, Tennessee plus six, and Los Angeles plus four. 
because the other ones are all the other games are kind of off the off the board here. I would love Kansas City. I would love anything about Kansas City in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's off I, the board. I, I like the foul. Here's here's the thing, man. Falcons are coming off a bye. Falcons have a coach who is extremely motivated to win these games. The Falcons lose close games, but if we lose a three-point game here, we still win the bet. Um, the Saints, I always want to bet against a defense that's figured it out, mm-hmm. right? Because, <laughs> yes. because, because it's wrong, right, right? right? So the same Saints defense... I go on with Bobby Abair every week as a fucking legend. And, and every single week, he's like, what's wrong with the defense? I go, there's really nothing wrong with the defense. They're, they're being penalized a lot. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with the defense. And then I go on this week, and Bobby's like, well, what's going on well with the defense? I was like, well, they're playing dog shit teams like the Niners, and they're not being penalized as much as our colleague Kevin Cole said on Twitter. These things even out. <laughs> I need that gift. These, Zach, give me that gift. These of, things uh, even out, and I'm telling you. Of Eric. So the Saints defense has figured it out. You reminded me of the Mark Schlereth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, these things, like, I'll oh do it again just in case you want it. Like, these things even <laughs> out, okay? And Matt Ryan's still great. Matt Ryan's third or fourth in right, war this year. I can't talk about this anymore. It's the fucking Falcons. Welcome to the pain cave. We'll see you there. Fuck. Let's get to the better part of the show, which is Nora Princiati from The Ringer. She was awesome. Here she is. Joining us now is Nora Princiati of The Ringer, um, a noted Boston fan and member of The Ringer NFL show with our good friend Kevin Clark. And I'm excited for this. I'm excited for the football stuff. I'm also excited to talk a little Bachelorette. I didn't even tell you that I wanted to bring that up. Well, I was... was you know, we, I was doing some research for the show and I was like, George, you realize that this person probably matches and not, not to offend you or anything, no bachelor, uh, aficionado, but this person's, you know, Nora's Twitter about bachelors. It's rivals yours. Way better than mine. So I got to start with that. What was your take on last night's episode? So first of all, that was an incredible introduction. I did not know we were going there and I'm thrilled. Last night was actually the first episode of this season that I've been able to watch live and it's so much more fun to watch it live when you get to tweet and talk to everybody so I was thrilled I thought it was a super fun episode in general I've been very high on Tasha. I think in particular because while I don't want to be a hater I did not care for Claire that was not a fun experience for me watching her on television for a few weeks the only time I got nervous was I, and I'm not afraid to say it, I adore Bennett. And oh, no. for a smidge there, I thought that we were embarking on a Bennett villain narrative that I was really not there for. And we kind of didn't end up going down that path fully. Um, who's the guy, the guy who was carrying the baby. What's his name? I want to say it's Ed. Can we pause Ed, for a second? Yeah, so they switched, they switched bachelorettes. Oh my God. Do you see what I'm dealing with over here? <laughs> like I, I so much to learn. <laughs> I only watched the show when Mike was in it. That was like the only and time. And that I, was the worst. And it was, uh, God, honestly, well, Becca, that, Becca season was Mike was, Mike was the nut low as far as like actual <laughs> contestants. Value. He was terrible. Yeah. And then, and then of course, like, so I, I listened because the Dale Moss, not only, Dale Moss is an hilarious name, right? right? But then apparently he swept that, he swept the first one off her feet. 
Right. And so then they just said, you know, we're not we're not ending this right now. There's no. three more games left in the series. We got to play it out. Like so yeah. they put a different girl in there and she's 10 times better. She's 10 See, like 20. this is perfect. 20, yeah. Imagine I, imagine if like we we were just talking about basketball off here. Imagine if the Lakers swept, you know, the the Heat like four games to zero and they were just like, okay, well we got to play three more games. So they put another team out there. That seems like great perfect television. Except that that team had like Jordan and Kareem in their prime or something. Like, cause it's okay. way better. I, okay, so, Bennett though. So Bennett- Is I'll he the one that looked like Gus Farratt? <laughs> no. <laughs> so somebody put somebody put his face no. on shoulder pads no. and I'm like, that's Gus Farratt. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I, no, that guy, I started that accidentally and I kind of slandered <laughs> that guy. His name's Ben and he's actually very nice. He's a small ben head though. wore a t-shirt last night that had a neck hole the size of a boulder. And I was looking at him and I just started to think, does this man have a shockingly small head? And he doesn't, that was unfair of me to say because it was just an optical illusion because the neck hole on the t-shirt yeah. was so oversized. But I wanted to get the Twitterverse to help me out here. So I tweeted a photo of him and said, is his head really small? And everybody responded and said, it looks like that, but it's just the neck hole on the t-shirt. And then I think you guys may remember that uh, the wonderful Bill Barnwell used to do those photoshops yeah, yeah. of how many running backs could fit through the hole um, from the Cowboys offensive line. And the joke was made that the same could be done with the space that a larger neck could have gone mm -hmm. in this t-shirt head hole. I don't know if I'm, I've got the- You're basically making a heads don't matter argument. Like it's really about the, it's really about the space that, uh, that the, right, that the, the, size the crew the, neck takes. Yeah, uh, the yeah. size of the hole opening yeah. or the head opening. Yeah, that was pretty I funny. I draft a thick neck in the top five. God, I wish I didn't say that. <laughs> I, that was a great description. I couldn't have done it better myself. But the fact that you like Bennett. So here, I'll describe Bennett for you. We'll see if you like him. Okay. Bennett went to Harvard. He lets everyone know that he went to Harvard. Strike one. Okay. Um, he dresses like he was told you have to play someone that went to Harvard and make it feel like they went to Harvard. He really, he does a great job. Looks like he shopped at a combination of like J. Crew and I don't know. So it's like a, it's like a rich person's version of what I wear on the live show on Sunday. <laughs> it's way richer than that. Okay. Okay. But then here's the thing. So they do this um, contest, 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 contest last night where it's like, can you be a grown ass man? And first off, they say grown ass man about a hundred times in this pre, you know, the prologue to this is very annoying. He gets on, they start interviewing him and they go, Hey, we're going to test people on their intellectual aptitude. Like, how do you think you're going to do? And they so basically, he, he was like the guy who like, hold on, brings the lacrosse stick Let to me, lacrosse and gym. Right? Yeah. He literally goes, well, I went to Harvard, so I probably should do pretty good at this. Okay. I tested out of this. Now he spells limousine wrong. He gets two basic math questions wrong, one of which is subtracting roses. He he argues that the, the wording of the question was weird. And he gets a time question wrong that everyone gets right that you could have done in your head. He then manages to win the competition by doing a breakfast in bed um, serenade sort of deal oh, where he man. wears only a robe and gets into bed with her. I was... I was horrified, Nora. I was horrified. How can you how can you get behind a man like that? So here's the thing. Bennett try as they might to give him a villain edit, 
everybody likes him. Like that's always such a big thing for me with The Bachelor or The Bachelorette is like how do the other people in the house respond to these people? And Bennett very clearly the first night he rolled in and I didn't like him night one because mm -hmm. he rolled in and he was like- In a Rolls Royce, yeah. In a Rolls Royce, clearly told to say that he went to Harvard a bunch, like doing the whole thing and it was super annoying. Then the next episode, you see that, and they're still playing it up. They've given him, or at least made it out to seem like they've given him a nicer cabana at this place than mm -hmm. everybody else. And mm -hmm. he has like <laughs> face masks and he has this whole skincare routine, but he takes a couple of the guys in there and he's like, come join me. Let's have a cocktail. Let's do a little face mask. Let's do a little rejuvenation and have a nice time. And he really won me over. He seems like he owns who he is. He seems like a nice person who's just here for a good time and wants to be friends with anybody. And I thought this before last night, mm -hmm. but as I'm watching last night's episode, I see someone who I didn't go to high school with, but I um, went to the same high school as, tweet that Bennett had gone to his high school, so mm -hmm. transitively mine. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I I went to like a, a preppy, froofy school and it checks out. A feeder for so Harvard. Yeah. I'm like, I totally get it. I don't know if this, in, in theory, this should make me root for him more, but he, as he becomes more and more of a caricature, there is something about me that's like, yikes. But then I look into it. And so he only, I went to boarding school in Massachusetts. He only went to my school for a postgraduate year. So he did four years at a school outside of Atlanta. <laughs> and I really wish I'd known, if I'd known that we were gonna talk about this, I would have fact, fact checked this. <laughs> he was likely high school teammates with Sean McVay. Wow. We'll get someone in, on, so he's in a, IT on it. Okay, yeah. Because he played football at the Marist School outside which is, of Atlanta. Which is where, where McVay went. Sean McVay. Yeah. I got to say, Nora, for a, a podcast that focuses on math, your use of the word transitive was very nice. Uh, and, and given that my, my knowledge of the background material uh, was, was scant at best, I, I focused on that for the last like 10 minutes. The point that you made that is the best point out of that whole thing was how strong priors are. Once you've made your, made your mind up about a significant other, there's, I mean, okay. look, we, it's but hold on. The production value on that show and the acting on that show is second to none. And when is that why Mike failed? Because yes. he's a terrible actor. Mike refused to play the game, and while Bennett might not be able to spell limousine correctly, yeah. he was able to understand that if I listen to the producers and I'm a cool dude, as long as I don't end up not being here for the right reasons, I will sustain. And, and Andy Bernard also became the manager at Dunder Mifflin w with basically the same approach to life. So it makes sense. I actually, I actually think that he answered some of those questions incorrectly on purpose. That tracks. I Throw think, people off the scent a little. I think that's how committed to, like he is fully bought into this is a this is a show that needs to engage people and it will engage people a lot more if the guy from Harvard fucks up a few questions yeah, yeah. than not. So Well, that was the whole problem with Dale Moss, if I'm not mistaken, right? The guy just you know, hit hit every ball over the fence, right? Yeah, well, and it Claire, was not Claire wanted to smell his pants. Literally was smelling his pants on air. So that was a problem. <laughs> All first-time depositors of Monkey Knife Fight that put in at least $20 into their account while using the promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 subscription. Plus, you get it for 20 bucks. So it's a real simple situation. 
you get to use those 20 bucks in monkey knife fight to play a ton of really fun daily fantasy and prop games and then you get the $40 subscription completely absolutely free with promo code pff it's a great deal that subscription takes you all the way through next season so you're in great shape you get all the draft coverage all the fantasy stuff that you need to dominate all of your prop bets and fantasy leagues so week 10 of football is in the books and the masters is over it was a hell of a weekend week 11 you get to focus on some football and there are plenty of really interesting games here obviously a few that we have talked about and the best place to go put your money where your mouth is is DraftKings Sportsbook in their top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's the only one I use. I have to make my way into another state to do it, and I do so because that's how good the app is. If you use promo code PFF this week, they are giving you a $1,000 sign-up bonus, all the way up to $1,000. Maybe that's too rich for your blood. That's fine. Um, it's all the way up to $1,000 with promo code PFF, and they also have a ton of really great uh, odds boosts every Sunday. They have live betting, which if you're into the whole experience, you got to make happen. It's a lot of fun. And there's some MMA stuff coming up this week. You have C255 that you can uh, enjoy as well. The DraftKings Sportsbook app, it's safe, it's reliable, it's secure. It's as easy to deposit as it is to withdraw. I've been there in places where it's not. This one certainly is. So go make it happen. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Get up to a $1,000 sign up bonus for a limited time only you must be 21 or older new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only bonus is comprised of the first deposit bonus deposit bonus required 25 time playthrough restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 1-800-9 if you are looking for some other really good podcasts pff has got them and the one that i'm enjoying the most is the Chris Collinsworth podcast with Richard Sherman. Not just because I'm a 49ers fan, I love Richard Sherman. Not just because Chris has some really interesting stories and is good at asking questions because he's on Sunday Night Football for a reason. Um, but, you know, I'm on there too. So you can listen to me as well. It's a lot of fun. Um, they get into some really interesting stuff. You hear stories that you'd never hear anywhere else. This week, Richard told a story about uh, football pettiness that... Um, I was rolling. It was great. And that's uh, exactly what you'd expect from a guy that is one of the best players at his position. So you should go check it out. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcast, the Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman. Okay, let's get to football uh, slightly. I need your immediate reaction from Justin Herbert's haircut. It's bad, but what 22-year-old man has a good haircut? Uh <laughs> there was there was they I, have I'll, no rebuttal i mean i'm trying to remember what my hair was at 22 but i felt like it was decent this to me this entire thing tells you that justin herbert's not going to be good oh here's why i am here for this okay so i brought some statistics to this argument by the way so justin herbert right now is averaging 7.8 yards per pass attempt when clean he's averaging 7.7 when under pressure mm -hmm. This is much like Sam Bradford. This shows me that he has no clue what's happening, including he has no clue right now that he's under pressure. And hence, some of these throws that he's just blindly throwing up there, he doesn't even know his limitations at this point. Somebody with the self-awareness to go out there with that haircut and to say, look, this guy who wears shorts probably halfway up his thighs, cut my hair for me. It's just unaware of the, <laughs> the strength and conditioning yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah, the strength and conditioning coach. Like the guy, he's wearing cotton shorts, right? Like the whole thing 
reeks to me of a lack of awareness, which when you are a rookie is super pithy and fun, but like eventually okay. over, overload information comes in, he realizes he's under pressure and he's going to start to stink when the heat is on. Okay, Nora, I have an opposite take. I have an opposite take and I want you to judge who has okay. a better take. Okay, uh, we'll, but I have a take too. Okay, we'll, side, we'll, we'll let you be the final we'll word. Sidebar. I'll let you be the final word. My take is the exact opposite, which is if a guy, <laughs> if a guy can live in Los Angeles making millions of dollars and give no fucks about how he looks, that is impressive as hell. And that will show his teammates that all he cares about is winning and his teammates will rally around him and he will be this successful. This is the most incongruent it. thing that you ever said in your life to how you live your life. Of the two of us, you are the one who cares I, give, I would not get that haircut, but I'm just saying the number of fucks I give about my appearance is is a, of an order of magnitude less than yours. Yeah, and and you, I, I think it's part of why you're successful. Okay, Nora, please save us. Save us. Forward, Thomas, Edward, Patrick, Brady, accomplished in many things, including NFL quarterbacking. Also accomplished in having a number of very poor haircuts. Mm -hmm. And if someone who is as sartorially efficient and accomplished as Tom Brady can screw up his hair, then I think Justin Herbert's going to be okay. I thought about Brady as well. He, his hair is never, never good, which is weird. It's not, and the, the sort of whole package, like he dresses very well. He's got Giselle to help him out. He's a good looking guy. It, it, covers up a lot of what's going on but that man has had some bad haircuts bad haircuts and i don't know giselle helped his fashion out so much and i don't know if she just likes the hair like that it's weird um i think she likes to make him wear hats Ooh. Yeah. and if he has a bad haircut she can make him wear hats it's a good call also i feel like helmet hair is a thing and like when you are willing wearing a helmet all the time you're just like fuck it who cares so anyways okay so i'm i'm down Two to one. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting. Okay, fine. okay. It's okay. You'll make a I comeback. Say, I do think having the strength coach cut your hair is, even if the outcome is okay, that's just bad process. Thank you. Thank now, you. <laughs> Justin Herbert could escape here because he could say, there's a pandemic. I don't want to go to a salon. I got to get somebody to do it, to do it in house. But I got to believe that there's a better option than the strength coach. That doesn't sound like sound decision -making. I would do it myself before I think I would let the strength coach do it oh um, can we Nora's new to the show we got to tell her about your hair oh no well, let's save that George George oh does God. not get haircuts in the state of Ohio it is very cute in that the, the first time George got his haircut in Cincinnati George and I well back when it was legal to work out we worked out together and George got a haircut, which I would say 95th percentile in the world, I would say. You're a good looking guy. You got a haircut. They changed the side. I Literally my hair no off. one noticed except for you. And I got to say the funniest, I think the funniest quote of all time was we're, we're on the rowing machine. George is still MFing everything. And I go, look, your hair looks better than Steve's Palazzolo. who has got a Jerry curl. Looks like Sidney Ponson. And you were like, my standards are so much higher than this. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll move on swiftly from that. Sydney Ponson reference God never fails. God damn it. Okay, let's get uh, let's transition further into football and talk about the Patriots for a second because they were dead in the water, absolutely dead in the water. 
and then they go beat the Baltimore Ravens as a seven-point underdog. So my question to you is very simple. Can the Patriots contend for a Super Bowl? No. Pretty, I, I got an easy answer on that one. And Kevin and I have been talking about this because Kevin will just live the rest of his life without counting Bill Belichick out ever. Mm -hmm. And my argument is that I'm not counting Bill out because his end game is to sustain a good team and even good teams have down years. They're no, they're not good. They don't have, they're just not good. <laughs> so they, so does that mean the Ravens suck as well? Or are you chalking I think that, that? That game seemed so much more concerning from a Baltimore Baltimore's standpoint? perspective to me than it did good for New England. What? And I also do, I mean, Harbaugh at this point is stringing together and like good, good coach, but stringing together a number of just looking at Bill across the sideline and getting the deer in the headlights face. And so, so do you blame, because everyone gave Harbaugh the credit for last year's, hey, the Ravens embraced Lamar Jackson. They had this totally new offense, you know, boom, 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 boom. And it almost feels like the McVay thing where McVay had an offense. It worked beautifully. They didn't change a damn thing. They had a bunch of regression on the offensive line in terms of injury, and they're, they went to absolute shit. And everyone was like, well, you got to have a counter move. Is that what happened to Harbaugh? I mean, kind of, right? Because it, so if you go back two years, they get beaten by the Chargers in the playoffs. They play all those defensive backs. Mm -hmm. And then they counter, they get Ingram. They say, okay, we'll just go big and we can run it on you. Nobody's going to be able to defend us like that ever again. And then it works. And then they get behind in the playoffs last year. And the argument is, okay, well, they can't come back from behind. They can't win a game unless they're sort of playing on their terms. I think there's a lot about that that's a silly argument, but I think preseason and probably week one, the narrative was the counter move to that was going to be an improved downfield passing game, right? <laughs> and that hasn't happened. The offensive line regression has taken place. When I watch them, it seems like they just lack some of the intermediate outlets that maybe in a weird way, it would help them get the downfield stuff going a little mm -hmm. bit if he wasn't just panicking so much. But that that progression of somebody finds a way to beat them and they counter it, it's almost like we had a thesis of how that was going to work this year and so far not so good. I don't think that they're a terrible team. I just don't think that they're in the same sort of echelon as the Chiefs. Now, probably hindsight, the Steelers mm -hmm. in that conference. So the, so the Ravens not a Super Bowl contender either in your mind, or that you still are giving them a chance? If the, I would not, I don't think that they cannot win the Super Bowl, okay. but I really wouldn't expect it. Yeah, they're in a weird position, right? Because I think like last year, Kansas City at this time was what, six and four, seven and four. Everybody kind of wrote them off because the, there were other teams that were shiny objects. But I do think this flavor is different. And it's interesting because we were talking about this at the draft. They really do, to your point, I, I think it was a great point. They, they miss kind of that Anquan Bolden that they had when they won a Super Bowl. They miss, even, even if it's not somebody like that, but somebody like Cole Beasley or somebody like who is kind of like that shiftier guy that gives you a ton of separation underneath that Lamar isn't 
the most accurate passer in the world, but since the guy's so wide open, you can't help but complete it to him. I mean, we've seen that be so effective in Buffalo with a guy who I think is similarly inaccurate in Josh Allen. You, when you when you get guys that get separation, it's terrific. When you're throwing contested balls to Willie Sneed <laughs> and Marquise Brown, that's not going to be great. And like the the biggest blunder they made was you look at a draft which had tremendous talent at the receiver position, and they come out of rounds one and two with a linebacker and a running back, and you're like a ah. linebacker that yeah struggling in coverage. And and, yeah. and I think that we were talking about this on Monday, which was their offense is very similar to what you need to be a good defense in the NFL, which is all the parts working simultaneously. And when you lose Yonda, when you lose Ronnie Stanley, when your quarterback regresses just a little bit, like that parlay gets busted by one or two bets and it's like, fuck. Yeah, you know, your, it's your point is great too, because teams are playing way more man coverage against them. Yeah. And Jackson is, just, I mean, it's easy to beat zone with Mark Andrews running down the seam. Just layups all day. You, you're I mean, not beating man coverage with Mark Andrews running down the seam. So. Well, and people are people are less afraid. So, uh, you, I mean, people are probably less afraid of the big play. They they view the big plays that happened in the run game last year as more noise. If you're giving up ten to fifteen yard runs to them, it's like, well, who cares? Like they still have to convert stuff in the red zone, mm -hmm. and like that's why they're letting the run happen a little bit more, letting fewer play action plays gain thirty instead of you know what they're gaining now, which is ten to fifteen, and it's just a lot harder. You're crossing the street a lot more times on the way to the end zone. Yeah. How much longer do you think Bill Belichick's going to coach for New England? A while. I'd I mean, five, seven wow. kind of years. Ten feels high. But he's not does not seem to be slowing down. Do you think do you think that this sort of thing that we've all invented, which is Brady versus Belichick, do you think that this is sort of like him him losing a hand to win the the bigger pot? You know, like this year is kind of people are gonna compare the Patriots to Tampa Bay this year, but in his mind, like it was never really a fair fight, right? Well, and it's, I think it's not a fair fight in Brady's direction because of the nature of coaching versus playing, right? So much of why Brady wanted to change teams was one, because the Patriots have basically decided that they're setting a limit on how much they're gonna spend at the quarterback position and he was probably gonna be able to do better elsewhere, but also because his top priority at this point is playing for as long as he can. And even if you go back to when the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, Belichick, who, by the way, this year, one of the most fascinating things to me as someone who used to be on that beat and, and now watches from slightly more distance, is he just says stuff now that he never would have said in the past. But one of the rare moments in the past when he did say something that seemed pretty um, real was after they drafted Garoppolo and he made a comment, something like, we all know what Tom's age and contract status is. And that to me is when the wheels kind of start turning. And it's not about, you don't let me choose the plays or the players mm -hmm. as much as it is about Brady's fundamental goal being he wants to play for a really long time and Bill saying, okay, well, you're getting older. We'll think about it, but only if you're gonna take a real discount and we wanna go year to year and we wanna plan for the future and we're not necessarily on board with that goal. But the thing is, that means that for Brady to get what he wants, now obviously if he wins a Super Bowl in Tampa, I think that that yeah. changes the conversation a little bit. But really what he wants is to keep going 
but that is harder for him to do just because he has to be yeah. in good physical shape. And at a certain point that goes away. Bill, he just has to be able to sit at a computer and do his stuff and go out on the field and coach some guys up and be mentally sharp. But that doesn't deteriorate in the same way that physical skills do. So Bill has all this time. And I think that all he really wants to do is just keep putting competitive football teams out there. I think there's a lot that he would like to experiment with in terms of having a more mobile quarterback, which I think as much as that's been up and down this year has been something that they've enjoyed Mm -hmm. and do some things that maybe they couldn't do. Now that's a nice problem to have with Tom Brady, but I think he likes the experimentation thing about it. But at the end of the day, he just really likes being a football coach and would like to do that and stay in control and keep winning for as long as possible. And he's always, in my eyes, going to have an advantage over Brady because who would you pick five years from now to be still going strong? And because both of those guys, I think, have identified longevity as one of the determining factors here. Like, Bill's got a real leg up, even though this year might be sort of an L. And if you look at what they've done, they're okay with the salary cap. They haven't... They get Newton, but it's a tiny contract. They don't hurt themselves. Now, if they can't start drafting better, the long-term future doesn't really matter how many picks you accrue and and how financially stable you are if you don't draft good players. But nothing that they've done, even the things that haven't worked out, have hurt them for the long-term. So I think that's sort of where Bill sees it. Yeah, it's, it's really strange, the dynamic, right? Because it's like, it's sort of like, okay, I'll have, I don't want to have a fling with my, my, my spouse, right? I want to have a fling with another, like another person, right? Like they're, they offered him like, okay, we're just going to have an open marriage for the next like six, seven years. We're not actually going to commit to you. Right. And he's thinking to himself, well, if, if that's going to happen, I'm just gonna go somewhere else. And, and I totally understand that dynamic. The weird one for me is is to your point I do think that, that that's how some coaches feel like when I was in school like I, I asked somebody like what do you want to coach uh would you want to coach at Alabama or something he goes it's actually a lot more fun and this is kind of a dig at us but it's, it's a lot fun coaching you guys because you don't have as much talent and it's <laughs> actually a challenge for me right and I think Belichick sort of probably feels that way in the sense of like you know he just wants to field a competitive team and it kind of probably got boring coaching Brady all those years and, and coaching a team for which you know the the AFC East was such a lock the question then becomes is it possible for him because I think that there's been a number of edges that he's had that have dried up like the first one obviously being having an elite quarterback like that's edge is now in Kansas City and other places the other edge was trading low draft picks for veteran players. Like Aqib Tlaib comes to mind. Albert Hainsworth was one. But that edge is kind of in Baltimore now, you know, going for it on fourth down more. Well, he actually doesn't do that anymore, right? So, like, mm-hmm. where does the edge come for Belichick um, to be a competitive coach f- for the next five years? That's a really good question. And you can't discount the edge he gets just from having other people be scared of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's real. I don't know that it it's not going to win you a championship unless you're already there, but if they don't start getting better players through the draft, then I don't know where the edge is. And he's the number one person that I would choose to figure it out. I think they still have a real edge in the sense that 
they admit their mistakes faster than other teams do, which is a real win. But if that just means that you're drafting defensive backs in the second round and then trading them for conditional seventh round picks two years later, like, great, good for you. The wonderful lack of humility there, but it's not going to get you much. I still think that he will come up with something and I don't know what it'll be. I do think that there are things where other teams are getting an edge. Like for instance, I look at how they evaluate or at least seem to evaluate tight ends. And we've seen the rest of the league Mm -hmm. basically embrace guys that are just big wide receivers. They don't care that much how good they are at blocking. Bill is still in a place where you have to be able to block. And at least in his eyes, he will not bring guys in, not give them playing time if he doesn't think that they are capable blockers. And tight end is a position that's been really important to them for a long time, and they just have no one. And they have a very bad track record drafting since the year that they got Gronk. And it's either been because of neglect or choosing guys like a Jacob Hollister who don't do well with them and then are able to, and that had a lot to do with ability to block and then go do fine somewhere else. So there are little places where I think he could use an update in sort of how he views the game and views players. And I'm like quaking in my boots saying that because I'm sure he's going to like bang down my door and Mm. set an army of zombies after me or whatever. But there are little spots where I'm not going to say that anything's passed him by, but he might've had an edge a long time ago or a few years ago in terms of what positions they prioritized or what traits they looked for. And some of that stuff is gone. That's a very good point. I mean, Ernie Adams ain't getting any younger either. No. And, and, uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because I do agree with you that some of these things have such a lagging, are, are lagging indicators, right? Like look at Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh is not ahead of the times either, but you know they've had this. I mean they've had the same quarterback the whole time we've been collecting data at PFF, 2006, and they had the same head coach since 2007. And, they, and they've hit on infinitely more wide receivers yeah. than the Patriots have. Yeah, that was the other one where like Bill sort of like for a long time knew that he was terrible at drafting wideouts, so he'd trade for Brandon Cooks or, and then like he touched the stove last last year with Nikhil <laughs> Harry. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I thought you knew, like you were Oops. the, yeah, it was weird, but. Um, Okay, let's let's do some quick hitters to get out of here. So the first one is another Patriots one. Is Cam Newton the quarterback of the Patriots next season? I think yes. Would you, if you were the GM, would you bring him back as well? I think the upper limit would be fourteen million. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's that'd be a, a unique situation because they're like, what's the gap? Took twenty with Bridgewater yeah. and ten yeah. with Burrow, and like, there's no right. one. So that that would be Belichick Super doing incentive. something that no one else does. Super incentive laden. But Cam said it's not about the money. Um, yeah, he's been good the last two weeks. I think like, quite good. Yeah, he's gotten a, you know the quarterback's always going to get the criticism, but he's he's taken in a way that I don't think he should. He, like, I, he, I love Jacoby Myers just as much as the next gal, but like, <laughs> come on. Right. It, it's strange because Brady got a ton of. Um, I would say relief from people who were evaluating that team last year for the receivers that they didn't have. And this year they have, I think they're worse, you know, like, and in fact, 
And in fact, they don't even use their best receiver, James White, very much because they're not in that those passing down <laughs> situations the way that Brady always put them in. And 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 Newton has been okay at a lot, you know, many cases. It's it's incredible. I I um, saw your boss, Bill Simmons, uh, did a little thing on his podcast about did the Patriots finally draft someone good and that person they were referring to is Damian Harris. <laughs> I just like, I, was, I just laughed. It's like, well, you know, small victories here and there. Um, would you rather start a team with coach of your choice? It could be Belichick, it could be Reed, and Dak Prescott, or Patrick Mahomes and the combo of Adam Gase and Ryan Pace locked in for five years? Wow. As soon as you said Mahomes, I was like, it's definitely going to be Mahomes. But no, I, I, no, no. Adam Gase is a life ruiner. Like, he ruins people's lives. We, Dak and Belichick or whoever I want. We always, ref there are corners we call what, slump? Slump <laughs> busters. Slump busters. Is, is right. Gase, a, is Gase a, a, Gase is like a career killer, isn't he? Like, like uh, Jay Cutler was always, we called him a coach killer, but like, Gase is a career like like we don't know Sam Darnold is like the mystery box and family guy like we literally have <laughs> no clue what he is because Adam Gase is like eliminated all information for us and I feel like now here's a question let's let's up it a little bit though Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy would you would you then take Mahomes because Gase is Gase is singularly bad but Nagy okay let, let, let me let's let's see your answer to that one Wow. That's so this is the line. This is really hard. Yes. I think. Well, now, can I just fire these no, people? No, <laughs> they're locked in for five years. Mm. And and you can't do a Billy Bean and Moneyball. You have to go to every game and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh, God. Uh, I I think I will take now. Who's who's my general manager? So in so the Dak situation, in the uh, let's go Reed and Veach. Okay. Or or Belichick and Belichick. Belichick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm t I'm I'm still taking that one. Okay. What would you do? Uh okay. The here's so I would take Dak if it was Gase. I would take Mahomes if it was Nagy. Here's my point, Nagy in 2018 showed the capability of building an offense around a dog shit quarterback mm -hmm. and being okay. In 2019 and 20, he the his entire game plan was basically out there to expose to his owner that they gave him horrible quarterbacks. Like the game against the Rams on Sunday Night Football last year was literally Nagy proving to ownership that this guy can't play. And like and hey. and the problem with Mahomes is yes, you'll give you'll you'll get in shotgun, you'll hand the ball to Montgomery for two <laughs> yards, you'll hand the ball to Montgomery for two yards, and it's third and six. And the problem is Mahomes is gonna get you out of that, right? Yeah. So whereas Gase will run a draw on third and six with Mahomes. And and I can't I just can't do it. BU. BU. I I remember very vividly Sunday night's opener uh, a couple seasons ago in Chicago, and I bet Fred Gadelli, executive producer of Sunday Night Football, a dinner on the win total for the Chicago Bears. He was all in on the Chicago Bears. And I said, look, Nagy's a fraud. Trubisky sucks. Like, there's no way. And so going into that game, I swear to God, we spent 30 minutes of a production meeting talking about how we would shoot the BU on his fucking play card.
<laughs> I, they should do an entire NFL films on that. I would take Mahomes, Nagy, and Pace, and here's why. Pace's issue was that he believed Trubisky was his guy and he built the team to win with Trubisky, not unlike Veach is doing with Mahomes. So he would have Mahomes. You can't really fuck it up. Just go get good players. Mahomes will make it work. God damn it. I know. I feel dirty already. Um, what's your most unpopular opinion about the NFL that despite the haters, you believe to your core? I think the Dolphins shouldn't have started Tua when they started Tua. Wow. I think that's kind of backed up, honestly, by his, his play. And the team has bailed him out, right? Like, he, so my theory is that they thought that he was going to start after their original buy, which got moved because of the COVID rescheduling. Mm -hmm. And so they did it earlier than they thought they were going to. And I think it's very hard. Now, I think a lot of the people who think I'm crazy for this are building in a Ryan Fitzpatrick tanks later in the season assumption, which fair history tells us that's in play mm -hmm. but you can't count on it right and i don't know he, he's not doing a whole lot it's like 120 yards per game or whatever and i think he's incredibly promising one of the most fun college quarterbacks to watch ever in my lifetime and i still think they should have waited i i don't hate that because of the injury risk with Tua as well i mean like I, I was pretty ambivalent to it, but I I can see why why that that may, you know you would have that opinion. I he certainly hasn't blown the door. Like he's the one that we're all going to be wrong about when they go and beat who they're who they're playing Denver, New York, and Cincinnati. Like they're going to be nine and three possibly, and he's going to have you know what kind of numbers? He's going to have like relatively modest numbers, but everybody's going to be like, see, you were all wrong, and it's like. I don't know. Like they're going to be the team that we're all wrong about in like December. Yeah, I do think they tr they need to. Part of why I feel that way is the infrastructure is so good, right? And I yeah. like Brian Flores covering him in New England. The difference between the when Matt Patricia was outgoing <laughs> and when Flores was outgoing in terms of just you could feel how people felt about the loss and sort of the brain drain of that was like so palpable. And I think he's got a chance to be, like, absolutely one of the best coaches in the NFL for a long time. Their defense is good. I think they're smart. I totally trust them. So in some ways, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm probably wrong here. Like, I no, can make what I think, but you guys know. On the other hand, the way that I felt about it was, you're in a good position. Like, don't do this. Don't do this just because you felt like you wanted him to play coming out of the bye. And... So I got very nervous that they were going to sort of like screw up this beautiful thing that they had going. And it seems like they won't because it seems like they're going to have a great record. And, and probably, I think they might win that division, which is like yeah. incongruent with my, my two of feelings. But at the same time, if Fitzpatrick had been able to keep that up, they would be a really good team. Like they would be a crazy competitive team. So I, that's, that's, that's my controversial one. We like the Dolphins as a long shot going into the year for a lot of the same. I mean, we don't have we don't have nearly the knowledge you do. I think on Patricia and Flores, but I, uh, I could have guessed yeah. after no, but after like, seeing I've this met, I've disaster, met, I've met Patricia before, and it was you know, it was, and you've lived to talk about. It. I lived to talk about it for sure. And but Eric, I, Eric doesn't tell people this, but I've caught him putting a pencil 
behind the uh, ear. Only when looking, I want to seem authoritative. Looking yeah, at himself yeah, in the mirror. You know, okay, but of, are you doing it with a, a laminated sheet? No. The, the, the lack of lamination is really why I'm in, not in the league and Patricia is and why henceforth his opinion matters more than me. But, like, what would you say – so, like, what was that difference? What was – because you, you said that you could, you could sense that there was something inherently good about the way Flores handled things and Patricia. And I think we can guess at those things, but honestly, at, you know, we don't have enough information, I don't think, to know. Like, what was – like, what's an example of what, one of the things where you're like, okay, this guy – I would project this guy to this handle, is different. handle this position a lot better than one guy has handled it. Well, so the big one – I'll give you one that's just, like, my – sort of personal interactions with them. And then I'll give you one that's more reported and, and knowing people there. The one that you just feel as a person is who's a better communicator? Who, when you talk to, feels like they're focused and they're hearing what you say and just you're having a more human to human experience and that they have, like Flores has this confidence and that's a hard place to work. And it's also a hard place to talk to media members because you're just sort of always scared that you're gonna get in trouble. And he was able to do it in a way where he was always gonna be fine. He was always respectful. He was always just fun to be around. And that's the difference. Like Patricia didn't have that and he's a nice guy, but you wouldn't talk to him and feel like, oh, I'm really having a conversation with this guy. It just felt like syllables. And you could feel how that would translate to a team just because you imagine that happen happening in the locker room or on a sideline. And there's this clear difference in just how people respond to them. And that's actually, I mean, I don't think Patricia has like flying colors in that area, but that's more a comment about Flo because he's just an incredible people person. And that's the other part of it is that from people there would tell you there was a little bit more and part of this is just that Patricia had more experience and it was a little more fair complete that he was going to go somewhere else but there was a little bit more hand-holding and here's what you do here's how you apply for a job here's here's how you should do this interview here's what the best way for you to put yourself in a good position is going to be whereas I think my understanding of Flores's process was it was just kind of like you're on your own. If you can get that job, go get that job. And then he went and crushed his interview and things changed. But I don't think, and part of that I think is a little bit of hindsight where he took some of their coaches, which didn't hmm. go over super well. But part of that to me read as if you can pull this off, fine, but we don't want to, we're not going to help you hurt us by leaving. Yeah, it's, it's such a, a great it was, you know, like with Patricia, he had the title, right? He had the, he had the coronation. He had all these things. And Flores didn't even get the respect of being called the defensive coordinator. They called him the the, the defensive play caller, if I'm re remembering correctly. And somebody who called him the linebackers coach. Yeah, yeah, like somebody who has that confidence to be like, look, I don't need this title. I don't need any. I don't need this help. I don't need this person holding my hand. Like that might be predictive as well but I you're, the thing about communication I think is such a perfect point it's like Patricia had to take over and again there's politics involved in all this too Jim Caldwell is a coach who took the Detroit Lions to three winning seasons out of four 
He's also African-American who a lot of players really liked and really related to. It be, you know, and in a league that has historically been poor in, in actions towards African-American yeah, coaches. An understatement. <laughs> you're taking, you, you get that job, you're starting out nine and seven, and there isn't that immediate success. And you need to be able to say something other than, well, there was a long way to go. Actually, there wasn't. Caldwell had Green Bay in a Week 17 game to win that division twice during his tenure. He he took Detroit to things that you have never dreamed of, and now you are struggling. Like To have done that requires a great deal of being able to communicate your process and have people believe in it. And what you're saying about Flores is that he had almost the same thing. I mean, Gay sucked, but he had the he had the Dolphins seven wins. He had the Dolphins in the playoffs one year, and like he, you know, he had to take that thing and bottom out before he rose it up. And that requires a lot of buy-in that some people just simply can't elicit. Yeah, I, Flores. Well, even, even take the example of another, uh, I think, just really wonderful moment in the life and times of Matt Patricia from this season was when. Somebody had questioned him about his record in fourth quarters with the lead being very bad. And he said, he referred back to the Malcolm Butler play in the Super Bowl and basically was like, well, I was I was part of yeah, that yeah. end of game play, so I must know what I'm doing. Which, one, is just a crazy thing to say in the year 2020 when his record as a head coach is what it is. But the other thing is that if you watch that Do Your Job and see that film on the sidelines, Guess who's standing there shouting Malcolm Go? Because it's not Matt Patricia, it's Brian Flores. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's not to say that he was doing his job for him because he, that's that's it's always hard to parse who's running the defense there because it is ultimately still Belichick's defense. But that's not true. Matt Patricia had a big job and he was important and had good relationships with a lot of those people and a lot of those players. But to place yourself at the center of that moment, first of all, over the player. I can't imagine how that would play in a locker room. But second of all, when there's not a lot of evidence that you were like really, really integral to that specific moment, just, I, I he said a lot of stuff, but that one I was like, you've gotta be kidding me. This is such a bad idea. Like not only is it ridiculous, it's just guaranteed to backfire. Remember last year when I refused to call him Matt Patricia and just called him Mike for the entire season? <laughs> Like Kurt Cousins. Yeah, I like I I can't stand Matt Patricia, and I, the way that I'm just glad that you have corroborated my inherent belief, yeah, which is that Matt Patricia looks like he has is just not with it. He doesn't have it yeah. together. It was Brian Flores imbues. I've got this shit yeah. together, and that's what I love. And about it's him. and it's always fun to have people in the league that you root for just as people. And I think Flores clearly is one of those people, which is great. And it's always good to have a podcast guest. Who, who knows what's who, going on? Who corroborates your priors? Because yeah, well, that, that's really like not only have you been great, but you've also you know checked this the extra credit box that George always. Yes, you've really helped. You've reframed. Honestly, we started. You reframed my reference on Bennett from The Bachelorette. That's probably number one on the list because that that's a bigger part of my life than Brian Flores and then Brian Flores and Matt Patricia. So this has been fantastic. Um, Nora, where can we find all your stuff? Let, let the people know. TheRinger.com. The Ringer NFL Show. I'm on with Kevin Clark. Uh, we record late into the night every Sunday, but that drops on Monday mornings. And then my Twitter is at Nora Princiati. And don't go there if you don't like a whole bunch of nonsense. But if you're down, come but follow me. Tuesday night, Bachelorette starts at 8 p.m. I'm with you. I have not been able to watch live. 
And so my tweets make no sense to anybody because I'm like an hour late and it's a it's a disaster. I, I, I got to say, you do Twitter right, though. I mean, I think both of us are firmly of the belief that Twitter is for jokes and for information rarely you're either, you're either entertaining or informing yeah the, those are the those so two why things. don't why don't you why haven't you figured that out yet well i'm just not funny <laughs> i just don't have the talent <laughs> follow follow eric if you want um no context college football tweets <laughs> they're pretty good eric is a great follow you're both great follows we appreciate you nora be well and uh we need to have you on again when the uh, bachelorette starts to heat up Anytime. Thanks for having me. Special thanks to Nora for putting up with your story about my hair. We've uh, we've managed. So she's been the host of the NFL Ringer NFL podcast for, for basically since the start of the year. Mm -hmm. We've been lucky enough to have all those guests there, and I feel like no, we didn't even get to Kevin Clark's yeah I, hunchback question. I wanted to ask so many questions about kevin clark who we need to have on the pod again soon. yeah kevin's kevin's hero. terrific um the i thought that that was one of the better interviews we've done I, you know she had so much good information and she looked at things differently than we did and it was great she's tremendous she does a great job she's a great follow on twitter and a, a really great asset for the ringer who um continues to find people that talk about uh football in an interesting way so, yeah they they lost um bobby mays bobby mays but he you know he's He's now with The Athletic. And then they got Nora and Kylan Jones. And I think Kylan Jones is terrific too. They they they, they certainly have a lot of talent and, and their content is terrific. I it, it made my heart sink a little bit though when she said, you know, our podcast we Monday morning, it's sort of like a you know competing time, uh, you know, because I listen to ours and then, you know, I gotta listen to hers now. We're gonna get we we get ours up pretty early. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I always tweet it out late at night. You know what you could do? Maybe you could do a better job of of retweeting or tweeting out ours. True. You know that could and be something. Are you which, like what would you say? Because both of you know Nora Nora was I think nice and said I I have good Twitter. Mm -hmm. What yeah, a, I don't know what out of what out of ten what am I on Twitter for? No no you are peaks and valleys. Uh, exactly. <laughs> You have some of the funniest tweets I'll ever read. And then sometimes they'll be like, just, just dude, bricks. What, what in the ever living sh Sometimes I think to myself, is Eric okay? Am I am I Darius Miles <laughs> from the free throw line at, on Twitter? <laughs> no, you're Shaq from the free throw line. You can remember Shaq would always say, like, I make them when it counts. That's I feel right. like you're really good in big moments. You know, Hale Murray being a good yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. And then it's a random Tuesday night, the action is on, and you're just nine riding guys in firing <laughs> the uh the best part so i learned this one from our friend matthew caller who listens to the show um our friend judd zolgad had like no interest in college football so during bowl season he'll tweet like play by play of the bowls to judd and there was one time i tweeted i had like this bet on some really dumbass game like fiu versus like ball state or something and josh is like what are you doing like what what is going on i'm like I'm watching college football and he's like what like he he's probably like you where he only watches like the most important mm -hmm. games so now i've made like a, obviously a habit of like tweeting at josh like the intricacies of college football i don't think he likes the joke though i'm it's not funny to him i'm shocked by that no thanks for hanging out with us enjoy week 11 we'll see you guys on sunday night early monday morning peace out